All right, everybody, welcome to the 336th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage kicking it live and direct, ready to talk about what I believe is Dustin's favorite shooting guard prospect in this in this draft cycle. He does everything that I think, and I don't like to use this phrase, but an old head would enjoy. He 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 does everything that I know Dustin Haas likes. I like it too, but he 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 really digs what Jordan Hawkins does as a shooting guard in in college and what he will be in the pros. That's that's fair. No, that's that that's that's totally fair. Uh, this future Friday is dedicated to one of my favorite prospects, uh, Jordan Hawkins from the University of Connecticut, national champion Huskies, sophomore shooting guard, six five. 195 he will be 21 by the time of the draft his birthday is actually in uh two days he played 37 games this year for yukon uh played nearly 30 minutes over 16 points per game shot 39 percent from three on over seven attempts per game 41 percent from the field 89 percent from the line grabbed almost four rebounds handed out 1.3 assists added on a half a block and 0.7 steals. Uh, Sage, this is a player that is 17th on Tankathon's big board and 23rd on the Ringer's big board. And I just think people are sleeping on this kid. Um, I don't understand that. Oh, I don't understand. Is it because he's a sophomore? Like, I... I can't. I, I can't is, is that, imagine is that, that the ageism is that crazy. Yes, he's an old sophomore, but isn't he the same age as the Thompson twins? It's like a year older than the Thompson twins who are playing against just a god awful competition yeah. at overtime elite. Yeah. Yeah. It's it it's crazy to me to think that this player is after all he did in the in the he's gotten more shine than any other prospect in college basketball. Cause he won the natty. He played in front of people that don't watch college basketball that much. He dominated. You remember that Gonzaga game? That was like vintage. Hey, I'm a professional basketball player. I remember the Phil Knight Invitational where the shooting guard for UConn is absolutely lighting up my Oregon Ducks. Mm -hmm. And you you can't stop him. So I remember him all the way back in, in November doing what he does. I happen to like the fact he's a sophomore. I like the fact when players grow. From year one to year two. I mean, look how well players like Jaden Ivey and Benedict Matherin played year one in the league. They showed that same growth from year one to year two at their respective uh, collegiate universities. It, it's not all about being a five-star prospect, playing mediocre basketball at the collegiate level, and then getting taken in the lottery just because of your high school reputation. And I, I think that's why a lot of these players are currently, if you if you look at mock drafts, ahead of Jordan Hawkins because I'll tell you right now Sage I don't know I know you like some of these players but I don't know why Brady Dick Anthony Black Nick Smith I don't know why those players would be ahead of Jordan Hawkins because he may not have the quote-unquote ceiling of those three players that I mentioned but I don't think those three players are hitting their ceiling and Hawkins has probably the highest floor of any prospect not named Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson I think he is a safe player who has translatable skills and everybody in the modern NBA needs shooting. And this, 
This, and it's not just shooting Sage, this is probably the best movement shooter that I have scouted since we've really started doing deep dives. Like his, he is, he's, he's effortless. He just tireless. He is tireless running the floor curls. He can shoot off. I mean, he, he runs to the spots in transition. He, he knows where the line is. This, this is his bread and butter. Could he finish better? Yes, absolutely. Does he have a handle? No, not really. But to have players who don't have high usage produce Look at Clay Thompson. He has made an absolute living with the Golden State Warriors being a low usage, high production player. I'm not saying he's Clay Thompson, but there are some similarities in the way they score the basketball. Not everybody needs to break somebody down one-on-one off of the dribble and, and get to the cup. You need players who do different things. And he does something that I think is should be ultra valuable in the league. You get a playmaker. I mean, could you imagine him playing with like the Thunder with with Shea and Giddy or with the Pacers with Tyrese Halliburton? Just like you, you, you've got these floor generals knowing where to get him the ball and finding it in his pocket. He's going to make life nightmare for the defense. Like I'm not saying he's Steph Curry, but the way he moves off the ball is very Curry-like. He does not stop. I mean, you, you, it really does throw. It really does throw me back to. I mean, the Yukon Huskies, they, they produced Ray Allen, obviously Rip Hamilton, Ben Gordon. Like they had a run of, of legit shooting guards uh, from the 90s and 2000s. And he's like next in line. Like it is Connecticut is a program that regardless of who's the head coach, they they have been able to consistently produce winners. And at, at that, they, they breed shooting guards. I mean, Villanova breeds guards as well. So does Connecticut. Like it, they have a track record for it, and that there's something to be said for what he did. Like he, he wasn't just. I I don't think this is a flash in the pan. Like he, they were clearly the best team, and he was the best player on that team, and they ran through that tournament stage. They didn't even hit a speed bump. So I, I, I th- you called me the other day, and you showed me a Charles Barkley a highlight, and you said if you squint really hard, you can see, uh, Cam Cam Whitmore. I'm like. All right, well, I kind of get it. But if I look at Jordan Hawkins, I clearly see, even without my glasses on, oh, this is an NBA player of some sort. And, like, obviously his shooting is his bread and butter in this league. But there's a a lot of things that he provides. I I remember seeing on Twitter that somebody thought he could be, like, Sauce Castillo. And I think that's a compliment to Jordan for shooting, but Jordan hits that hits that barrier of he's athletic enough to play defense in the league without getting burned. I know Nick Stauskas did not. <laughs> like he was just all shooting. This dude hits the he hits the marks that you're looking for on all levels. Like his his floor is very safe. But watching you watching UConn was a joy because He's perfect for that system. You know, Brandon Miller's perfect for Alabama, what they wanted to do. There's coaches now that are actually building that offense. So it's not just a, like, Michigan State, oh, you, you, they scrap for every win. This team plays such beautiful basketball. And if you look at that team, they could easily just be a post-dominant team with what they have, but they run a really, really beautiful, awesome offense that utilizes play- players' skill sets. I could, 
easily see them just feeding it into Shinogo and uh, the other center and just be, yeah, this is a post team. You're muted, but I think you know, the big was like Donovan Kling- Klingman Klingen. Yeah, I think he's he's the bench one because the older one is the he he was the starter. And but like yep. you you have two pro bigs. You have Andre, who's just as athletic. Like the fact that UConn has two athletes that can run for 36 minutes a game and make that opponent tired, that the cardio of that team to do to run through screens, to do curls, it is amazing. So we are looking at somebody that Miami Heat, they're doing incredibly well. They would love to have this. Golden State Warriors would love to have Jordan Hawkins. He meshes with that that team, that style of play. Every team should want Jordan Hawkins, but the good ones realize that that is of massive importance in this league to get to the open spot, to negotiate your body so you those those drivers can find you hugely important so i think that he's like that skill set and the fact that they did so well man his his name should be bringing more bells and i think that those those draft sites need to really update because i don't see him going past the lottery yeah I, I would hope somebody would be smart enough to scoop him up especially in a draft where it's top heavy there's there's two heavyweights at the top and I think there are so many questions about so many of the other quote unquote lottery projected players that I think it's a big time crapshoot when you're picking three through 12, maybe 14. Don't just feel like you have to swing with the fences to swing with the fences. It needs to be like a legit swing. You have to maybe know what, what, what type of player you're getting. If you feel like they can really hit their ceiling, you really think, Amen Thompson can, can fix the jump shot. Like you have to really believe in that. Like I personally There's only don't. a few teams that should do that risk. The, and you have like when I think of like risk taking, I just you know, you look back and like Orlando took Mario Hazonia. Like and, and he's just not even in the league and he wasn't never any good in the league. Like and I'm just using him as an example. Like there's look at Washington. They've taken Denny Abdia, they've taken Rui Hachimura. I mean Corey Kispert, like they, they, Kispert clearly wasn't an upside pick, but the other two were. And you have to be smart with these upside picks. I think that there, there's a lot to be said for teams taking quote unquote a sure thing. And I, I look, hindsight is 2020. The Sacramento Kings probably should have taken maybe somebody else other than Keegan Murray, but he fit a need for them. He led all rookies in, of, of all time and, and three points made uh, as a rookie. And he is a, a clear, high-level role player for them. Now, are do they wish they would have taken maybe a, a Shaden Sharp? Probably. Uh, him next to Fox would, would just be, you know, delicious. But, but they didn't. They took a player. And, and this is also a franchise that had so many swings and misses. So if you're a franchise that keeps getting up to the plate and you just keep striking out, do yourself a solid and just hit a double. There's nothing wrong with doubles, right? That they, they, they get the job done, especially if you, if you have two picks in a draft that is just, I think, so high variance. Like we, we've really been doing this for the past like two, two or three years. This draft feels maybe the most high variance since since we've we've been been really looking at these players from. 
not only a blazer perspective, but just a league perspective. And you start to pick up on trends into what translates into what doesn't. But I think there's just a, a lot of, obviously they get to hit their ceiling, but I don't know if that's a gamble that a lot of teams should make. And you look at Jordan Hawkins, who he is more athletic than I think people give him credit for. Um, he's not going to wow anybody at, at the gym. He's not a Jaden Ivy. He's not a Shane Sharp, but he he is an NBA type of athlete. He is so durable and reliable running all of those miles. I mean, just for like 30 plus minutes a game, just continuously running around the court. He tries on defense. I think he's going to be at worst a net neutral defender. I don't think you're going to get him picked on uh, if he's guarding a one or two in the league. Clearly, I don't think he can size up to a three, four or five, but I think he can hold his own in in the backcourt. And if you get him on a team with a couple of gravity uh, defying players, whether it's a, a Giannis or a Dame or a Jimmy Butler, you, you name it, like teams are going to really have to decide, are you going to try and double the hot player and leave a dominant shooter like Hawkins open? Or are you going to give him the respect that he deserves? And then that opens the door for your superstar to thrive. So superstars around the league should want Jordan, the Jordan Hawkins of the world to get touch easier i know there's obviously there's things he he could do better you could say that with almost every prospect but you have to start looking at what things he does correct and when it comes to shooting i don't know if there's a better shooter in this draft class and i i I think it's what you do correct and repeatable he he does the things that he's excellent at a lot like he puts up shots he takes i don't think i've seen him in his tournament run, really take a quote-unquote bad shot. It's all relatively open and good. So he knows what he he knows his bread is buttered off of catch and shoot, off of re, of relocation or some screens. Like I, I I was reading his stats and it's like eighty percent of his threes were off uh, uh, an assisted three point basket. So he knows what he wants to do, and that's get around screens, get that open opening in space, and just launch. And he he trusts his shot. Like, I don't see that many people be able to sprint into a shot like Jordan Hawkins. It, it, it's a very rare skill set that he has where he can do the things that he does. And honestly, I think, yeah, like I think smart teams are going to see the value in him. And the fact that they did win the chip is it it, it shows that this style of basketball wins. So yeah, like. I also don't think he's going to be a liability. What I would like to see is for him put on muscle because I think he looks kind of frail out there with in his body comp. So if he can put on good lean muscle, because I, I've seen him get back down a little defensively, if he can put on muscle, I think that will help him out tremendously because he's kind of a skinny boy out there. I was Sometimes when he dunks, I'm like, damn, is that going to break your legs on the way down? Like, he he definitely need like once once a NL, NBA staff gets a hold of him and puts on weight, I think a lot of the the worries about the defense go away because he definitely is going to try. I don't I, I, again, like you said, you don't. I don't see him being an a, like an elite defender, but net neutral to a little bit good, never guarding the main guy. It's a useful skill, especially. I mean. We, we, we've seen so many NBA players that are just please score more than you give up, guys. 
he's not going to be one of those guys. He's actually going to put in an effort. I think Jet Howard is absolutely, please score more than you give up. He isn't. He's going to he's going to move around, score, and play all right defense. All right, Sage. We've talked about the strengths. We've talked about the weaknesses, where we would select him. Let's start to div- d- to dive into some of the player comps that we both have for, for Jordan Hawkins. Give me your floor. So this guy has had a pretty big, sizable role for a team that made one of the biggest upsets in the NBA. I think he is the blue chip version of Max Struess. Because what Max does is movement shoot, play, I, I think, a more physical brand of defense. but what he's on the court to do is receive passes from Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, hit threes, and play defense. So I think he is like the 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 blue chip version of a Max Drew. So this it's it's not the most like you know star studded comp, but I think both of them are rotation players that absolutely can be starters on good teams. So I mentioned his floor was high. And I think his floor and his most likely outcome are pretty similar. So I kind of looped those two into this 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 comp. I think he's JJ Redick with mm-hmm. a little bit better defense. I mean, you watch JJ JJ, he had a a really a a nice career in in the league. I believe he played what 15 years coming out of Duke in, in 06. Uh Hawkins is a little bit bigger than him height-wise. But Reddick was a fantastic scorer off of the ball, low usage, reliable. Uh, teams had to respect him, uh, came up big in, in big games. And, you know, Reddick had his best, I think his best run with the Clippers. And again, alongside a floor mm-hmm. general playmaker in Chris mm-hmm. Paul. So it really does come down to system and, and fit for, for Hawkins. But I think you're if you if you t- could tell a GM, Hey, you're getting JJ Redick with better defense. Do you want to take him in the lottery and you don't mm-hmm. have a top two pick? Most of those players are going to, GMs are going to say, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Like, don't overthink this, right? Don't try to always knock it out of the park. Like, it, it's right there. Like, don't look at, don't look a gift horse in the mouth because Jordan Hawkins is, I think, so solid. And I think sometimes solid gets overlooked. So I, I think that's his most likely outcome floor type of player i mean the he just fits in with everything that you kind of want in a in a off-ball player like obviously the jj reddit comp is just the easiest thing that you like they they do a lot of the same shit so better defending like i if jordan can work on his craft and he can develop that playmaking. It's going to be a very slow process because what teams want to do is make you run curls and and shoot. But I, I JJ Redick, at the end of his career, I remember watching a preseason Pelican game where Drew Holiday was out and JJ Redick had to run point. He could do it. I think if if they slowly bring on the playmaking, that I mean, it just adds on to the JJ Redick comp. And I, I, th- I think that, yeah, that's my mo- most likely outcome. And I, I have a feeling that our high-end outcome is p- probably the same, too. I changed mine last minute. Give me okay. yours. Oh, I, I think he's Rip Hamilton. Like, the, that UConn-style player, 
Both of them are similar sizes. I think Jordan is the the new era uh, Rip Hamilton with his his shooting. It's not going to be mid-range centric like Rip's was, but it's going to be three-point where you can run them off curls and stuff. And I mean, like if he have, if he hits his hundred percentile, like like Reggie Miller isn't a crazy crazy thing because like you see the cur- the curl work that he does, it, it's it's the off ball shooter, you know, you, the the guy that went to UConn that does the off ball thing. So you, you kind of can see and, the evolution chart. I mean, you 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 hit, you hit it that that's my my ceiling. I don't think he hits it, but I see Reggie Miller right just the. Reggie really couldn't break a guy down off the dribble. He wasn't going in isolation, but Reggie had a back-to-the-basket game, and Reggie could finish. So if Hawkins ever develops a back-to-the-basket game, finishes strong, adds a little bit of weight, and can you know get a little bit more crafty, he's he could become Reggie Miller. But again, Reggie had a lot of intangibles. He owned that locker room in Indiana, a strong locker room, and he was the face of a franchise. So that alone makes the ceiling much more unlikely to attain. But it, playing style, I mean, it, it they're just, we haven't, and, and there's a reason we haven't seen a Reggie Miller since he retired about 15 plus years ago. So I don't think he reaches the ceiling, but he is, he just reminds me so much uh, of Reggie. It's just the tireless running and, and movement and cutting and knowing where to be not mucking up the paint not you know running into people trying to get to his spots he knows the game he has a great feel for the offensive end of the floor like he knows where to be and again he reggie miller had a great play mark jackson led them to eastern conference finals uh against the bulls nba finals against the lakers like reggie you, never you had a high a usage rate play. either so it, it didn't it's, need it. Exactly. Didn't need it. He had he had guys that could feed him, but so it's like the archetype has been there. If you're looking for more new era guys, because we talked about old people, Buddy Heal. It, it's the same archetype. It's awful guys that shoot. Obviously, Buddy Heal was 24, 25 when he came into the NBA, so he's bigger and stronger. But like it, it that archetype is out there. Obviously, we were talking old guys, but there's guys that are just shooters that that is what they do. And they move off ball and find ways to relocate themselves for that pass. So yeah, like I think that that it has been a long time of success where amazingly good shooters that are really good movers have success in the league. You see it with Max Cruz, you see it with Buddy Heald and the more newer Rip Hamilton, Reggie Miller, Ben Gordon. I don't think he has that, but like, it, it is it is a very solid basketball player that contributes to winning games. If you look at what Max Struess did in game one, I believe, that's what he Jordan Hawkins can do. And do you think that Chauncey Billups... I actually have two Chauncey Billups questions. Do you think Chauncey Billups can utilize his off-ball movement? Because it's a very stagnant offense where it's watching it's watching Damian Lillard play. So do you think he would be able to utilize him in um in a positive light with his awful movement or is he in the corner just chilling? I think in flashes you would see some utilization just like we've saw all through you in sharp a couple of plays this year where you look at Detroit it was Gary Payton the second's first uh game with the Blazers there was a play where they ran shading off of a curl they are at the top of the key 
or the wing wing of the key. He dished it off to Peyton. Shaden continued his cut through the through the middle of the court, and he threw him the lob for the dunk. And you just really only saw that in flashes, right? It wasn't a consistent uh, part of the Trailblazer offense. It was Damian Lillard bail us out. Anthony Simons dribble the ball into oblivion. One pass, shoot. Like that was the Blazer offense. So I think in flashes you would see it, but consistently, no. I, I don't. I don't think he's there. He's not there as an X's and O's coach. Look at Portland's. Look at Portland's out of timeout plays. It just it wasn't solid. It wasn't creative. Um, I mean, a good example is the Philadelphia game. Joel Embiid hits a go-ahead jumper uh, with like three seconds left, and you get the ball at half court, and they have Damian Lillard catching the ball, running towards the Philadelphia basket rather than towards their own basket with so little time left, and they, they get they don't get any shots off. And that was that was just a microcosm of Portland out of timeouts. Like you said, a lack of creativity, a lack of originality. Uh, really not putting any pressure on the defense. The, the the pressure was put on just because Dame was fantastic, yeah. right? So my second question about Billups. There's obvious players that we can name that would fail with Chauncey Billups and his coaching. Who are the players, and I think Jordan Hawkins is one of them, that could, in theory, thrive because they have such a defined role who are those players that could succeed with Billups's basic coaching? Chris Murray from Iowa. Um, that's a great three and D type of mm-hmm. uh, swing forward. Obviously, and, and no coach can screw up Victor Wembanyama, right? Like Vic is. Yeah, I was be... I was taking Scoot and Vic out of that, okay. but like everybody I mean, else didn't preface it, so I t- I took that low hanging fruit. And, oh, and did, kind of you with take it. that low hanging fruit, bro? <laughs> um. Honestly, I think it's a lot of the guys in the back end of the first round, those role players, the, the players that already come in with a defined role, right? Now, mm-hmm. where you get, I think, a little bit um, murky is a player like Jet Howard, who has a playmaking upside, who's he not going to see that playmaking upside in, in Portland yeah. or under Chauncey Phillips. So I would say he's not really going to thrive. He would, he would manage in Portland, but mm-hmm. he wouldn't thrive. The players who would thrive, I think, are... They're going to be guys who just maybe have a, a good floor, but a, a lower ceiling. They have one to two things that they do really well. You know, Shaden was kept under wraps for so long mm-hmm. and until the injuries or the quote unquote stealth tanking forced Chauncey to un- unleash Shaden onto the NBA. And then it was like, oh, you know, we're starting to see that the handles getting tighter. We're starting to see the finishing around the rim. We're starting to see, you know, so much more of the repertoire and, it's like, what, what were you doing keeping this guy on the bench while you're giving Ryan Archie Diakono more minutes than him, right? So uh, Portland has a lot of problems, and I think it, it does start with, with the head man. Yeah, I, I would I would throw Hendricks in there because, in theory, he could be dunks and threes until he until Chauncey gets yes, fired. The reason, yes, but I think he's got so much upside that, like, I, who do you, is he going to develop, or is he just... I dog. Like I, the him. worst possible outcome is we draft somebody that needs specialized reps, and Chauncey Phillips is the head coach. But like, I was thinking about that. Like, you know, Anthony Black would be bad. The Thompson twins would be bad. Like, all I think Jarris would be good. Jarris would be good. I feel like Brandon Miller would be good because he's just so. I know that we don't like him, but he is so like. We've seen this shit a bajillion times. Chauncey has. Probably played with a guy just like him. He's not going to fuck him up. But I don't want to use my fifth overall pick or 40% of a top four on Brandon Miller. 
but he absolutely fits with Chauncey Billups and what Chauncey's wants to do. I think the worst possible thing we can do is have two guys that need specific reps have Chauncey Billups as their head coach. Like he needs to not be a part of the future of this team if we go in a direction that we're going to talk about in the next podcast. All right, Sage, I think that wraps this episode up. Thank you all to list. Thank you all for listening to this Future Friday. Uh, I believe Sage has the next pick on which prospect we break down. It will be released next Friday. But I hope you all enjoyed this breakdown. One of my favorite prospects, uh, Jordan Hawkins. Uh, Sage, let our listeners know where they can find all former and future episodes of the Holy Backboard podcast and bring this one on home. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, all of the podcasting apps. We are there available to listen if you want to see what both of us look like and the 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 heart eyes that we show each other through every pick and every conversation you can check us out on our youtube holy backboard or if you want to see small clips you can check out our instagrams um and i have tiktoks where i add some hip-hop music behind and also have uh draft uh centric clips and uh it's a lot of fun. I, I'm having fun with the creation of like uh, of the Future Fridays content because the shelf life is oh so much longer. So thank you all for listening, and we are out. Peace.